Turn with me in your Bibles to John 17. Just for a springboard here. And I turn to this passage because it was a passage that uh, Brother John Slaybaugh used at uh, Ryan and Mandy's wedding. And uh, I talked about a my little comments there, I talked about a BGO. Well, this was a BGO. John 17, 20 to 23. He used these verses as a wedding message. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and, and that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou givest me, I have given them, and they may, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, thou and me, that they be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. And John asked, John asked the question at the wedding, is there such thing as a perfect marriage? A very thought-provoking question. And he used this passage of scripture. And he said, if I remember correctly, that uh, one of the proofs of our walk with God is how much we may be made perfect in one. And that's a BGO, blinding glimpse of the obvious. You know... About the time you think you have a half-decent marriage, somebody comes along and says that, you know, the proof is that, that you be perfect in one, and you look and you feel like you're on step one of about ten steps. And then the uh, song this morning, you know, Lord, while you're helping everybody else, don't pass me up. I'm down here on step one, and maybe, you know, the ones on step eight look a little more attractive to you, but please don't pass me by. And, you know, it's like, of course, then I, being a minister and all that, that's such a thing as a perfect church. Such thing as a perfect church. I have really high regard for Prairie Church. I do. Seriously high regard for Prairie Church. But the question came, have we arrived? And you look at John 17, and I don't know about you, but I haven't arrived. By a long shot. And you look at that, and you can take two positions. One position is, the goal's high, and I'm going for it. The other position is, it's so high, just forget it, man. I mean, it's just, I'm toast to start with. But we don't want to take that position, because that's a position the devil wants, you know. Um... 
So I come to the conclusion, doesn't matter, doesn't matter where I'm at in my walk with the Lord, and doesn't matter where Prairie Church is at in the walk with the Lord, we got a long way to go. That's not belittling anybody. It's just simply admitting our humanity. That's the simple fact. It's just the simple fact. Then I thought about, well, you know, having a revival meeting starting tomorrow in a week. Will it matter two weeks from now? Will it make a difference how much revival there will be at Prairie Church? Does that depend on my perspective of where I'm at spiritually? If I think, on, if I think I'm on step nine and don't have much to go, or maybe just easing up on step ten, <clears throat> how's that going to affect me sitting in the pew listening to the preacher preach? But if I know I'm on step one, or whatever step, God knows what it is, is that going to affect how things are going to be two weeks from now? So that's the background of the message. The title of the message is, The Need For and the Blessings of Christian Growth. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 2. <clears throat> so the message this morning, the goal of the message this morning is to press upon our minds that wherever we are with God, we do need to grow. And there's blessings in that. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. When in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God. Okay, now, you look back. Someone has said, you never know where you, you'll never figure out where you're gone until you know where you came from. And so, here it says where we were. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, or when he loved us, did not pass us by. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and hath made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. So the simple fact that I have found the Lord, 
I am in a godly, godly um, congregation. I appreciate my brother and sister in church. Is indication that we've come a long way. Now that doesn't say we have nothing to go, but it has said, and we should appreciate deeply the simple fact that God in His grace and His mercy has allowed us to be where we are today in our walk with Him. Verse 19 to the end of the chapter. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for the habitation of God through the Spirit. Now I love that. I love that. And I, and I, I personally desire to be something in the building that makes it go higher. And I hope we all want to do that. So it's the growth, it's not... It is critical, I'll back up here, it is critical what my relationship with God is, but it also is critical what my relationship with God is and how it is affecting the entire congregation. You follow this, this whole... This whole picture here that this group of people are the things that this temple is being built with. And so it's each person, me included, responsibility and privilege to be what God wants us to be so that prayer church next year is bigger than it is this year. I want to be a part of that. Second Thessalonians 1. One to three. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. I love that. I mean, occasionally I'll meet a pastor or whatever, and, and it's just like distraught because people are doing their own thing, and they're bickering, and the church is in a mess, and people are leaving, and all kinds of stuff here. And, and Paul says, oh, 
said, I am just so motivated to pray for you. I am so blessed. I am so happy because what I see. What a blessing to a church leader. Point number one, growth implies life. If you had a congregation of people that didn't know the Lord, and they come underneath the steeple every Sunday morning to warm the bench, uh, what a future. You wouldn't have a future. Because there's not life. People with life grow. People without life decay. That applies physically. It applies spiritually. It also applies eternally. It's see. It's hard for me to comprehend. Now, I, I, Jesus said, uh, "I thought I could quote it." John eleven. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to Martha, "I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live." Okay, I, I, I can get a hold of that. Okay, people die, they go to heaven, they keep on living and living and living. Okay, because we, we see life as a continual process, and then we just jump over the river, cross the river, and then we just keep on living. But I cannot comprehend in my mind, and, and okay, when it comes to die, we all know probably ain't going to take too terrible long, all right? From time you start dying till you die, whatever. And, and, and that's kind of a comfort to us because, you know, you just don't die and die and die and die and die and die and die and, and then it's next year and you die and die and die and die and it's like, wait a minute, how long is it going to last? But the, the, what the Bible says that eternity without Christ is, I mean, you just die, and you die, and you die. I can't, I can't fathom that. That you can't get done dying. Eternal death. And it's not like it'd get over in a year. I mean, it's 10 million years and you're still dying. Bethany Church in Holmes County, Ohio said, if every living, there's a sign in the front of the church, in the auditorium, it says, if every living soul discovered what, if every living soul knew what every departing soul discovered, Everyone would be saved today. Everyone. Growth implies life. Folks, I, 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 can't, I, I can't begin to appreciate life in Jesus Christ as I should. When I consider the alternative, and there's only one alternative. There's nothing in between. Growth implies favorable conditions. 
all conditions in life favorable? See, it all depends on our view. The great Shunammite woman. Conditions takes a lot of faith to say this. It's easier said than done. But if I get the grasp with a great Shunammite woman, Nate G. Spafford, I have to confess that conditions are favorable, favorable whenever I realize that God created them. They are. I don't, I may not understand. I may not have a clue. I may not, it may be so far beyond my ability to understand. But I have to admit, and I have to confess, and I have to embrace the fact that God creates favorable conditions. So if I'm going to grow, I'm going to have to have proper attitudes toward God. I'm going to have to have proper attitudes toward God. I cannot be bitter at God if I'm going to grow. If I'm going to grow, I'm going to have to have proper attitudes towards life. Is life something that you embrace by the grace of God? Or is a life just one long drag? And then you die. Depends who you talk to. I have to have proper attitudes toward my life, myself, if I'm going to grow. If I think... That I'm the dumbest, stupidest, ignorant, worthless individual that God ever created. I will not grow. You have to be realistic. You are created in the image of God. God does care for you. No, you don't have the highest IQ in the world. Nobody here does. You may, I may, make stupid mistakes. I may have to learn with the I mean, have to live with the results of them mistakes. But God loves me. He cares for me. And I have to accept myself as not the most brilliant, as not the most handsome, as not the most whatever. But I thank God for who He is and how He has created me. I ha if I'm going to grow, I have to have proper attitudes toward my spouse and my family. You ever see somebody's family in chaos, marriage in chaos, family in chaos? Anybody growing? Hardly a chance. Have to have proper attitudes toward the Word of God. Have to have proper attitudes toward the church, which is 
all of us here. Growth implies favorable conditions. Sometimes the conditions are just as good as we make them. I may be faced with a situation. I can take the situation and I can make it whatever I want to make it. I can make it very negative. I can make it very positive. It all depends on what I look for. Growth is a natural result of good spiritual health. Good physical health, you need food, you need rest, you need exercise, you need medical care. Um, so am I spiritually healthier this year than I was see, five years ago? Am I? Do I, can, do I look back and say, you know what, I'll have to admit that things aren't as good with me today as it was with God five years ago. I was a better, I, you know, if I have to admit that I was a better Christian five years ago than I am today, then, uh, then I need to grow. I, I got some, I got some things to take care of. Am I satisfied with where I am? Would I be satisfied? If the preschoolers were preschoolers, were preschoolers, and then next year they're preschoolers, and the year after that the preschoolers are still preschoolers, and they're still saying the verse, four or five word verse, and then the next year the preacher said, okay. I mean, we'd be all alarmed. Our bishop asked in Ohio one time, what would the congregation look like if we were the size physically that we are spiritually? What would it look like? Somebody carry in. Every little thing that goes wrong, every little hunger pang or something. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Just calm down. You're, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. I've heard of church members like that. Always got a bellyache. Always got. Everybody around them got to make sure that they're feeling okay. First Peter two. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. This verse is critical how you read it. If you say, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, then the rest of the sentence don't make any sense. 
But if you read, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Then the verse makes sense. So, we need to be concerned that we're taking in nourishment. Number three, growth is gradual. When I was ten, somebody came to our school and said, "If you were as old as you wish you were, you, if you were as old, if you could become old, as old as you would like to, how old would you like to be?" And this man said that I shot my hand up first one. And he said, Dennis, how old would you like to be? And I said, 16. So, naturally want to grow up. It's a healthy attitude to want to grow up. And children become impatient sometimes. And you know what? Adults do too. I hope that we have an element of impatience. Not to the point that it's overwhelming, but just a flare, if you want to call that, of impatience. Lord, I want to grow, and I want to grow faster than I am now. So if you're a new Christian, don't be disheartened if you feel that you've been a Christian two years and, and you look at somebody older and mature, more mature, has lived a Christian life for 30, 40, 50 years, and you look so immature in, in proportion, don't, don't despair because growth is gradual. Don't give up. Don't. Hesitate to step on the scales. You know, it's like, oh, well, I don't even want to step on the scales because I don't want to see what it says. You know, it's kind of the way we are sometimes. At a SIB reunion, of course, everybody has a different meal. Everybody, you know, it's like you got to slice your throat. And I got home and I was afraid to step on the scales. Like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to know what happened last week. Well... But that doesn't change anything. So, don't be afraid to check your growth. Don't be afraid to step on God's scales. Ephesians 4.11 He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That he, we henceforth, be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may what? 
What does it say? Grow up. Unto him, I am sorry. Into him. There's a world of difference there. Into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, when it comes to plants, we say that growth requires healthy activity at the roots. If the roots aren't getting it, it is not happening. So, we need to have the roots right. We need to love the Lord with our heart. We need to study the Word of God. We need to pray. We need to reach out to others with compassion. If you want to grow, reach out to someone else. One advantage of being mission work, one advantage to being a minister, or one advantage to be whoever, where people come and say, well, what should I do with this? And it's like, well, I'm going to have to study, I'm going to have to dig, I'm going to have to, you know, it brings out the best in you. It stretches us. Stretches us. And what is growing by side stretching? Growth is needed to become like Christ. Now here's sometimes I think we can get derailed. I am tempted to become derailed. Maybe you aren't. But sometimes we can have secondary motivations for wanting to be a better Christian. And those secondary motivations can be, I, I would like to have a better character. I would like to have better relationships with my brother, sister, and church. And I would like to have a better marriage. And I would like to have a happier disposition. And I would like to have less negative results from doing wrong. And um, so maybe I should become a better Christian. That's okay. But if it's a primary motivation, brothers and sisters, it's an ulterior motivation because our primary motivation should love the Lord with our heart and our soul and our mind and strength and become like Him. That's the primary motivation. Otherwise, it becomes very selfish. So I should be motivated to be like Christ, not just be a better person. See, if I am like Christ, then I become a better person by default. So our goal should be God-motivated, not self-motivated. Last, how can I know if I'm growing spiritually? How can I know? What are the indications? Well, I put a bunch down here. Um, I did not in priority by any stretch of imagination. I don't know. But when I see people growing spiritually, I see people that are givers, not takers. Not just takers. When people grow spiritually, they, their focus is less here and it's more out there. They're givers. People who are growing spiritually... Ask advice from experienced people. 
What can you teach me? What can you tell me? How, what pointers can you give me to be a better Christian so that I don't have to experience spiritual defeat? What have you learned in your life? And then they accept advice from other people. See, it's easy to say, so, you know, give me, give me, go, give me, give me a few pointers, you know, and then you just say, well, I'll keep on doing what I did. See? People who are growing spiritually choose spiritual safety instead of riding the fence. People who are growing spiritually are controlled primarily by personal convictions rather than convictions of other people. Now, I say primarily because <clears throat> we do need to take in, in, in consideration the conviction of other people. Because if we don't, the, the brotherhood doesn't function well, okay? But primarily... I don't go through life and say, well, I can't do this because the preacher says, I'll get in trouble with the preacher. Or I can't do this because somebody else is going to see me and they think it is wrong. And I can't do this because all these things. See, you're just working by peer pressure rather than saying, this is right. This is what I will do. I know this is wrong. This is not what I will do. People who are growing, who are growing spiritually purposely distance themselves from Satan and his crowd. Now that doesn't mean they don't reach out. But they do not chum with them. Ungodly people will not be your best friend. They just simply won't. They may be your friend, but they will not be your or my best friend. People who are growing spiritually are disgusted and revolted by sin and evil. Disgusted and revolted. The last place that a growing Christian will go is to the world to figure out how to live, how to act, how to dress, and how to behave. The last place they will go. Because they know that that culture, that behavior, that lifestyle will end up in a screaming plunge into hell. They know that. And they will avoid it. Disgusted and revolted. Am I disgusted? Am I revolted? People who are growing spiritually will choose wisdom over foolishness. You know, I like a joke. I know practically everybody in Prairie Church likes a joke. But life is not a joke. Life does not consist of continual foolishness. 
If I'm growing spiritually, I will be concerned for the spiritual welfare of those around me. I will care about the saved around me. I will care about the unsaved around me. You know, if they want to be a goody-goody, let them be a goody-goody. Or if they want to go to hell, let them go to hell. That's not a spiritually growing person's perspective. And the last one I have on the list, I will be a good example of a believer. How do I know if I'm growing spiritually? I'll be a good example of a believer. People in my congregation will not be embarrassed by my behavior, my lifestyle, or my perspectives. They simply won't. Sure. I have good ways to go. I need more growth. I know that. They know that. But I'm not a continual embarrassment. My encouragement to all of us this morning, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it doesn't stop there. It says, to Him be the glory, both now and forever, amen, which means, so let it be. Grow in grace. To him be the glory.